everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope the content encourages you and helps you build your faith. Now enjoy the message. John 15, 1 through 8. Man, this is good. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. That's all you need right there. Who's the vine? Who's the gardener? Who's the true vine? Who's the gardener? And who are the branches? See the gospel there? I'm a branch, he's the vine, the father's the gardener. Anyway, two, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Here you go. Old King James is abiding me and I abide in you. You know where we're headed. Verse four, remain in me and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and if you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. There's a guarantee for you right there that you will not be fruitful in your life unless you remain in Christ. It's just, it doesn't get clearer than that. Verse 5, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me, that's the third appearance of it, does not remain in me, is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Really quick, that is not a go-to-hell burned, okay? That's not, the, that's not the appropriate word. It's just saying a branch that has no value other than to be used for disposal, for kindling, for something. So it's not saying you don't produce fruit, you go to hell. He's saying if you're not a branch that's not producing fruit, you really have no value other than to be just kind of discarded. Verse 7, but if you remain in me, for, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. Here's your answer. Verse 8, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. Word true, authentic, real. You are real disciples when you are remaining in me and you're producing much fruit. This brings great glory to my Father. My son, he, uh, anyone in here, you know when you're a kid growing up, who's the strongest man in the world? Dad! Yeah, oh, come on! You know the answer, right? Dad is indestructible. Dad's a beast. Dad can't be stopped. My dad really was. My dad was six foot five. He had a ponytail in the middle of his back and a beard in the middle of his chest. He wore overalls every day of his life. My dad was not the type of person you jacked with at the supermarket, right? He was just intimidating. He was big. He was strong. I'm the runt of my family. I got two older brothers that look down on me, and I got a sister that looks me in the eyes. My family, just they're the Amalekites. They're just huge, right? But my dad was just this big, this strong, tough man, and my dad was indestructible. So naturally, for my son, I want to be the strongest man in the world, right? I'm Gaston to my son. No one's as slick as Gaston and as quick as Gaston. 
In a spitting match, no one can spit like Gaston. I'll go with that one. I'm Gaston in his eyes, right? So we're out on this bike ride, and we rode by this old lake. And at the old lake, I'd see there was this massive oak tree, and it had fallen over, and it was like kind of hanging like halfway down. There were several other trees holding it up, you know. And I looked in the base of it, and it was completely hollow all the way. And I said, hey, son. And he said, yes, Gaston. <laughs> no, he doesn't call me that yet, but that's a great one. I think I'm going to sew that in there somehow. And he said, yes, Daddy. And I said, hey, you want to see me snap this branch in half? And it was just, it was just big branch. And he was like, why? Really? And I was like, yeah, you want to see Daddy snap this branch? And he was like, yeah, yeah, can you, Dad? I can't. And I jumped up there, and I grabbed a hold of that branch, and I thrusted myself down, and it went pop and when it popped it fell and the tree fell with it in the tree thank the lord i didn't get crushed by it right but it, it was just hollow and it was weak and it snapped and it fell and the branch fell and the tree fell and canaan was sitting there going ah he said daddy you're the you're the strongest of the strongest and the strongest of all the strongest and i said that's right you know who your daddy is right he was just so impressed. He was so blown away by it. He thought it was so cool. So a couple days later, we're at this park, and there's this giant tree in the middle of this park, and there's these kids at this park, and there's parents at the park, and he says, hey, Daddy, snap another tree in half. It's <laughs> like, come on, come on, come on, you know? I was like, uh, yeah, um, but like, there's parks and rec rangers around here, and they'll arrest you if you go. And he's like, no, Daddy, you snapped that other tree in half. Daddy, snap this, snap this tree in half. And I'm like, son, you're embarrassing me here. You know, like, come on, man. Like, why are you putting me in the parents are all looking over, and he's just, he's gung-ho. My daddy snaps trees in half, you know? And I'm just like, uh, you know? And, and so I, I had to... I had to kind of navigate the situation in such a way of, like, if I snap this one, all the kids will be scared. We can't. You know, I didn't tell them I couldn't do it. But fact of the matter was this. The branch that I could break was one that was attached to something that was dead. The branch that I had no chance at breaking was the one that was attached to something living. When Jesus starts talking about discipleship, he says, let me make this very clear for you. There are branches that are living and branches that are dead. The branches that are connected to me are the ones that bear much fruit. You can do something with your life. Hear people all the time, I want to I do this, I want to do that, I want to make this difference, and I want to change this thing. Great, what are you connected to? Because what you are connected to will determine what you can do. Versus, Jesus says, a branch that is easily snapped, it's easily broken. And what happens to those branches? They bear no fruit. They have no value. And then he walks us through after you gather the big picture. What is the big picture of discipleship? Being connected to Jesus and bearing fruit from it. Those are my true disciples. The ones who bear fruit because they're in me and they remain in me. What are the ones that are falling apart, that are snapping, that are breaking, that can't do anything, that feel helpless right now? The ones that aren't connected. The ones that aren't abiding. The ones that aren't living in. Let me walk you through 
a few points about discipleship. And this is really, really important. And I think it's, it's great the way Jesus starts this with the first sentence. What do he say? I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. This is so important for us to understand. And let me give you the history behind it because the nation of Israel throughout the Old Testament was often referred to as the vine. They were their own vine. We went through the season out of Egypt. We remember that. How good did they do being their own vine? How good did they do when they were in control of their own life? And destroyed it. And then didn't want to follow God, so they wanted a king over them. So you go through First and Second Kings, and you see how great all of that worked out for them. So then they wanted to be their own vine and do their own thing again. And Jeremiah came, and he said, hey, the Babylonians are coming, and they will, point blank, destroy you if you don't yield to God. And they said, we'll be our own vine. We can take care of ourselves. What does being my own vine look like? I know what I'm doing. I don't need anybody to talk to me about anything. Don't get up in my business and let me do whatever I want to do. Let me live how I want to live. Let me show you how that works out. A lot of scripture here, but a great context, okay? Let me show you what it looks like when you're your own vine. Ezekiel 15, 2 through 6. God says, son of man, how does a grapevine compare to a tree? Is a vine's wood as useful as the wood of a tree? Can its wood be used for making things like pegs to hang up pots and pans? No, it can't be used for fuel. It can be used for fuel, and even as fuel, it burns too quickly. Wow. You see the imagery there? He's saying, no, it's not a good branch, can't be used for anything, and even what it can be used for, it's not very good at. Verse 5, vines are useless both before and after being put into the fire. And this is what the Sovereign Lord says. The people of Jerusalem are like grapevines growing among the trees of the forest. Since they are useless, I've thrown them on the fire to be burned. Ezekiel 19, 10-14. Another illustration of being your own vine. It says, your mother was like a vine planted by the water's edge. It had lush green foliage It was because of the abundant water. Its branches became strong, strong enough to be a ruler's scepter. It grew very tall, towering above all. It stood out because of its height and its many lush branches. Verse 12, but the vine was uprooted in fury and thrown down to the ground. The desert wind dried up its fruit and tore off its strong branches so that it withered and was destroyed by fire. Now the vine is transplanted to the wilderness. You see the Exodus imagery there. Now the, now the vine's in the wilderness and it's wondering where to go because it had it all figured out for itself. Where the ground is hard and dry. A fire has burst out from its branches and devoured its fruit. Its remaining limbs are not strong enough to be a ruler's scepter. Talk about an indictment here. This is a funeral song and it will be used in a funeral. One more. Isaiah 5, 1 through 2. It says, Now I will sing for the, for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, cleared its stones, and planted it with the best vines. In the middle he built a watchtower and carved a wine press in the nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet, of sweet grapes, but the grapes grew were bitter. 
you want some good news after that? It's like, wow, I've been kind of being my own vine, and I feel a little bitter. I feel like I'm living in a funeral, and I feel like I'm not really good for much right now. Here's what Jesus is saying when he says, I am the true. Circle the word true. When he says, I am the true, he's saying, I am the one. It, it means not fiction. He's saying, I am the one who is now the vine. Here's the good news. Jesus redeemed the vine. Jesus redeemed the vine. What does that mean for you? That means that you can connect to something living again. That means you can connect to something that will fill your bones with life, that will fill your heart with satisfaction, that will fill your life with purpose. He's saying, I have redeemed the vine. Be a Jew for a moment and think about Jewish history where all you have been compared to for years and years and years is this vine that can't get it right. You've been this vine that was by water's edge and you had beautiful trees growing and then you got up planted. This is your funeral song. You just couldn't figure it out. Jesus comes along and says, I'm the vine now. Come to me. Connect to me. I'll bring life to you. I'll fill you with life again. If you feel like you need to be filled with life again, if you feel like you need to be filled with hope again, if you feel like you need to be filled with purpose again, connecting to the true vine is the path. That's what Jesus is saying. Before we talk about discipleship, we have to understand the pathway to it, and it's the true vine. I am the true vine. I will give life. I will bring fruit to your bones. And then he continues on. Let's keep rolling here. We talk about good here. So we have Jesus. He says, I am the true vine. I've redeemed the vine. You're no longer the vine. I'm the vine. All you have to do is connect to me. Now, I find this really interesting. The next thing that Jesus says. So he says, I am the true vine. Come to me. The very next thing is not do something. It's eliminate something. Watch this. John 15, 2-3. says, He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and He prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. Verse 3. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. In other words, He's saying, in order for you to grow... First, you have to let some things go. In order for you to grow, in order for you to blossom, in order for you to mature, the first thing I want you to do is not start doing something. I want you to start eliminating something. What do you need to cut out of your life so that you can draw near to me? I have uh, this tree in my front yard, and it drove me insane because it never would grow. Now, my neighbor, old neighbor, not my neighbor anymore, but my, my previous neighbor, he and I just had a great relationship. He knew nothing about anything except for landscaping. I'll give him that. I'm just kidding. But he's a great guy. He, uh, he was talking to me, and I was telling him, I hate this tree. I'm about to cut it down. Something's wrong with it. It's diseased, or it has something. like The thing won't grow. And he said, well, look at it. He said, of course it won't grow. He said, look at the bottom branches. you got to cut them off. And I said, <laughs> the right logic. Like, why would I cut something I want to grow? 
right? I, mean, I looked at him, and I was like, why, why would I cut that off? And he said, no, look, look at the shape of your tree. He said, your, your lower branches, they're hanging over, they're growing wider, they're growing bigger, yet you can't get the top to grow because you have all of these branches below it that are sucking up all the life that is trying to get to the top to take it to a place of growth. You know where I'm headed with this. If you want to walk in discipleship, the first thing you should be doing is not looking up saying, how high do I want to go? But looking down and saying, what branches do I need to cut off that have been sucking the life out of my spiritual growth? What are they? Who are they? What is it? What do I need to quit watching? What do I need to quit listening to? Who do I need to quit hanging out with? What relationship do I need to end? Who do I need to break up with? Who do I need to scroll through my phone and delete and delete and delete and delete? Who do I need to unfollow? Who do I need to unfriend? Because to grow, something has to go. These dead branches that latch on and begin to suck the life out of your... This is not a revelation, by the way. You know it. Those of you that are sitting there thinking right now, it's, it's a confirmation. It's not a revelation. You've been here for months. You've been back and forth for months with the right people, the wrong people, what I should do, what I shouldn't do. And Jesus is making very clear, if you are ready to connect to life, if you are ready to produce fruit, if you are ready to be a true disciple, take inventory. Who needs to go? What needs to go? What do I need to stop? And then he rolls in. John 15, 4 through 7. Here's the heart of it. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Verse 5. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Verse 7. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask me for anything you want, and it will be granted. The Greek word for remain is an imperative Greek verb. It is a verb of action, and the imperative on it means priority. So he's saying, and, and the word itself means a life union, a continued connection. So when he says remain in me and I in you, he is saying make your life's priority to be in constant relationship with me. It should be the number one priority. should be the number one thing on our mind is my life union with Christ. The number one thing that I think about should be my union with him, my growth with him, my constant time in his presence. I, all I have to do is remain. It's all I have to do. I get stuck in this. I start looking now, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and I see these things, and I'm like, oh man, these guys are doing this, maybe we ought to do this, and maybe I need to do that, and the Lord is just saying, Luke, just remain in me. The fruit will come. You'll bear fruit. I'll take care of the fruit, but stop wondering what you need to do, and just 
dwell, just remain, just be here with me. Let me give you a little, I know we're in, in somewhat of an NBA season, 2018 NBA Finals. It was the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. You already know the narrative if you're a basketball fan. It's game one, J.R. Smith is under the bucket. Kyle Korver is shooting free throws. It's the fourth quarter. There are seconds left. Just seconds on the clock, right? It's a tie game. I want you to see what happens. We got it, guys. Hit it. Yes. Great job from Smith to get the rebound, but dribble it away. Look at LeBron. Woo! Woo! Look at, look at, look at, what? What happened? He's like, no, 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 wait, 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 yeah, here, pop up. This way, this way, this way. Time, time out. What? What? What are you doing? What are you doing? Play it again. It happens quick. You got it one more time. Can you run it back? Can you run it back? It happened. You can kill it now. Look. I'm not hammering J.R. Smith. He's a better basketball player than I could on one leg than I could ever be on two legs. Well, I am kind of hammering him, but he hammered himself afterwards. The game is tied. There's two seconds left. He rebounds the ball under the bucket. There's nobody near him. All he has to do is remain. Put it back. Stay right there takes off the wrong direction. Literally, they have said it's the greatest blunder in sports history. Greater than Buckner. He just, he literally rebound the ball. Game over. Just put it back. And I mean, takes off. Remain. Oh, you can see all the players, right? The entire team is going what? LeBron is like, we're that way. You're like, where are you going right now? Just stay. When I think of abide in me and I'll abide in you, I'm constantly just saying to my Lord, why am I running from your presence? Just stay. Just remain. Can't I just stay connected where he wants me to stay connected? I've been watching this. There are so many things that are vying for our attention right now that are trying to pull us from remaining where God wants us to remain, which is in Christ. There are so many things pulling us away. I'm constantly saying to myself, spiritually, don't be J.R. Smith. Don't get what you need and then run the wrong way. Stay in it. Remain. Stay where you belong. And then he finishes with just a clear declaration. Verse 8, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. Keep it in context here. What did he say produces fruit? Remaining in Christ. How do we produce fruit? I remain in Christ. I stay connected to the vine. When I stay connected to the vine, I become a branch that produces fruit. When I produce fruit, what does it do? This brings great glory to my Father. That verse is really kind of a summation of the Christian life. He says, hey, bear fruit, you become a true disciple, and it brings glory to God. What is our goal? To bring glory to God. What are we created for? To bring God glory. How do we bring God glory? By being a good disciple. How do I be a good disciple? By just remaining in Jesus and bearing fruit. You want the simplest life plan you've ever needed? 
Here's the simplest life plan you've ever needed. Bring glory to God by being a good disciple, by bearing fruit because you remain in Christ. That is, that is beyond any title that you could be ambitious for. That is beyond any job that you could ever want. That is beyond any ambition you could have. Is John 15, verse 8, bring glory to God by being a good disciple because I bear fruit, because I remain in Christ. What we have to do is we have to go to this place of transition in our minds, of recognizing that everything in my life, you know, Dallas Willard, who is a brilliant man when it comes to spiritual formation, he's big on this passage. He says, we have educated ourselves beyond our capacity to obey. I could not agree more. We have educated ourselves beyond our capacity to obey anything. And then I think Einstein is the one who said complex, or simplicity is the true complexity. If you can make something simple, if you can just make it simple, you have done more complex work than just confusing people, right? Jesus is saying here, it's so simple. Just remain in me, be a good, good disciple, bear fruit, and you will glorify God. But we have to see everything else in our life as aiding in that and not being that. Where I encounter people who are confused about discipleship, it's people who have definitions of, like, everything's discipleship. My small group is discipleship. My Bible study is discipleship. My friends are discipleship. I have a mentor that's discipleship. And I have, no, 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 I, I get all that. All of those things are great, but all of those things are not discipleship. They are aiding in your discipleship. They are propelling you into what true discipleship is, which is remaining in Christ and living intimately with Christ, walking with Christ. I'm all for groups. I'm all for mentors. I'm all for the right friends. I'm all for Bible study, but I'm all for all of those things being a means to propelling me to intimacy with Christ, to remaining in Christ. Okay, time for the transition. Let me walk you through. I've got five minutes. Let me walk you through daily presence. So like I told you in the beginning, and I told you this would be a different type of message. We're sowing something into our culture. I have really spent years and years doing this, but then have passed it on personally to people. And the people that I've passed it on to personally have really come back and said, hey, uh, I don't know that anything has had, and look, it's nothing of me. This has been the work of the Lord. I would screw this all up if it weren't for the Lord. But the people who I've given this to have said, hey, you know what? I don't know that anything has changed my life spiritually more than this. So I started just trying to wrap some simple application around it. And here's where we landed. Guys, you got the slides? Number one is it's daily presence is what we're calling it. Daily presence is spending daily time with the Lord. This sounds elementary, but it is, it is, I believe the enemy is working so hard to steal from people this piece right here. Because when this exists, you are bearing fruit. You are unstoppable. You can ask God for anything. You can't be slowed down. When you're not, then all of a sudden you're a useless branch, as the scriptures say. So let me walk you through. Guys, do we have those? Here we go. Daily presence. Take me to the first one. These are a list I want you to write down. The first one is worship. If we're going to walk in daily presence, we got to worship God. 
Worship is preparing my heart to be a sacrifice so that I can receive from him, I can hear from him. Romans 12.1 says you are a true worshiper when you're living as a sacrifice. Hebrews 13.10 talks about us having an altar in Christ. And when I become a sacrifice, I then connect with him and he connects with me. Worship is number one. Here's the first thing we do, one song of worship. In the morning, when you wake up, play one song of worship. Put on a song of worship, eliminate all distractions, and spend four minutes, five minutes, whatever, in a time of worship. On our website, rconsville.com, we have added all of this. We've created two playlists for you. There's a Spotify playlist and a YouTube playlist of worship songs that you can use, or you can get your own worship playlist by all means, but whatever you do, one time, first thing I do is worship. The second thing is reading, reading the Bible. You guys got that? I'm, I'm way ahead of you. I'm sorry. Uh, the second thing we do is read. First thing, I'm going to worship. The second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to read. We have created a Bible reading plan for you that starts in September. This is a great plan throughout the rest of the year. If you have your own plan, go for your own plan. If you don't, jump in on this plan. It is a psalm a day and the New Testament in chronological order. So what you'll do is by September 1 to December 31st, you'll read through the New Testament in chronological order. It will feel out of order, but it's actually in the order that it occurs, and it's a psalm a day. So the second thing you'll do is read. Third thing that you'll do is meditate, is take something that you read and just meditate it. What I do personally, I write it down. And I write down, this morning I read uh, Isaiah 53, three different times it says Jesus didn't say a thing. Three different times, I'm thinking about, it talks about him being a sacrifice and him dying on the cross and him being broken for us. And then it says he did not say a thing. When, it, when charges were against him, he did not say a thing. And I started thinking to myself, he didn't have to say a thing because he was so confident in what God had called him to do. And he was so confident in who he was that he didn't even have to open his mouth. Lord, am I that confident in you? Do I rest? That's just meditating on scripture. Write it down. Write down what God is speaking to you. If you're not a big writer, recite it over and over and over. Take five minutes and just read over and over and over a verse. When you meditate, you are making it part of your character. The fourth thing is pray. Spend time in prayer. So we have worshiped, we have read, we've meditated, and now we pray. We spend time in prayer, talking with God, asking God to move. We have a list of things that we pray for. I pray like a rock in the water. It hits the water and it ripples out. I start with God and I'm thankful. I start with myself and say, craft me to be like Christ. Then I move to my family. Then I move to extended family. Then I move to friends. Then I move to the church. Then I move to our city. And then I move to our country. And I just pray ripples out over things. So then I'm going to pray. And the fifth thing I'm going to do is apply. I'm going to get up and take action. I'm going to get up and apply something that I learned today. I'll usually put it in my calendar. Sometimes I'll put it in my tasks. So when I get to work and I open up my tasks and I see my tasks, it says something like, be confident in the Lord today. You don't have to even open your mouth. You know, I just, I meditated on that. God spoke to me about that. I want to walk in that today and I want it to be part of what I am doing. The first four you do when you're seated, the fifth one you do when you get up. I'm going to worship God one song a day. I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to follow along and read the scripture every day. I'm going to meditate on what I read. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to do something about what God is speaking to me about today. I'm telling you, if you will take those five things 
and you will implant them into your life. I believe you'll walk in daily presence. I believe daily you will walk in the presence of God. I believe daily your life will begin to bear more fruit. I believe daily you will become so strong to a place in the Lord where people are coming to you because there's fruit coming off the branches of your life and they want to know what you're doing. And at that point, you have an opportunity to explain, I live in the daily presence of God. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. Here's what I do. I worship, I read, I meditate, I pray, and then I apply. And then you become a disciple maker by producing what God is doing in you. Amen? Now let me tell you, daily presence is on our website. It's also part of the app. All of the resources that you need are there. Um, Here's where this birthed out of. Again, walking people through five months of the most difficult time. Those that were really struggling, I said, walk in daily presence. Here, let me give it to you. You're going to worship one song a day. You're going to read the Bible. You're going to meditate. You're going to pray. And then you're going to apply. And we have just seen God do such a cool work. All the resources are there. The reading plan is there. Let's commit to daily presence together. Here's what I believe. I believe if we are a church that is walking in daily presence the fruit that will come from what God is doing here will transform our city. I truly believe that. I believe the fruit of daily presence in our lives, we will gather in corporate presence to recharge ourselves, and then daily we'll walk in daily presence. Everybody, thanks again for joining us. We believe God has something great for your life, and we hope this message encourages you to take the next step in your faith. Have a great week.